What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I had so much fun recording this episode where I managed to grab a few moments with the international chef, best-selling author, TV host, global brand ambassador, and all-around great guy, Dan Churchill, at his gorgeous Charlie Street restaurant in New York City. I wanted to visit Charlie Street because I love healthy food, and when I travel, I always look for healthy food. And I wanted to visit Charlie Street, and when I decided to do that, I thought, I'm going to bring my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, and I'm going to sign it for Dan and leave it with him. Dan was actually in the restaurant, but I didn't want to interrupt him. I met Dan once before, but I didn't know him. And when I paid, I said, can you give this to Dan? And as I was putting something in my phone after, uh, he came running out and said, you can't leave without saying hello, etc. And I'm so glad that he caught me. And I'm so glad for me, but also for you guys, because this episode came out of that conversation. You may remember Dan from his time at MasterChef, or perhaps you read one of his best-selling cookbooks, Dude Food, The Healthy Cook, or Surfing, The Menu. Living his dream of changing the world through food, Dan's passion and story is so inspiring. He makes no secrets of the fact that he's all about friends, family, and enjoying life, and his mission is simple, to use food as a tool to bring people together and enrich their daily lives. Beautiful mission. Growing up on Sydney's northern beaches, where an active lifestyle was the norm, Dan's passion for exercise and nutrition led him to a career as a highly regarded health coach before embarking on his incredible chef journey. Now based in New York, he is regularly featured on Good Morning America and the Food Network, among many other TV shows, sharing his healthy food message to an audience of over 10 million people, not to mention his huge following on social media. Very selective about the brands he represents, choosing only to work with companies that reflect his values and purpose. Dan is also a brand ambassador for Qantas, Tourism Australia, Cobraham Estate, California Almonds, Athletic Greens and Under Armour, just to name a few. The perfect example of someone who is living and breathing their values, Dan has built his own brand, career and movement by truly following his passions. 
In this wonderful episode, you will learn how Dan discovered his purpose, changing direction after an injury led him to focus more on food and nutrition, how learning from like-minded people and professionals in your area of interest can open many doors, the importance of working hard and pushing yourself to take a leap in the right direction, simple ways to live a healthier lifestyle, the importance of learning from your mistakes, and the power of sticking to your values and so much more. I know you're going to just love this episode. So let's get right into it. Welcome, Dan. I am super excited to have you on the podcast. It was a bit of a funny story how this all happened, but I was in your cafe yesterday signing a book for you and then run away. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that. I was, I just, like, it's, it is so funny. I, when Ernalina, my spreader, came downstairs with this book, I was like, oh my God. And I was, because I obviously have been a fan of your work for a very long time because of Australian presence. And when anyone drops up signs of books, and I would love to say hello to them because I've written books. I know what it's like to write one and the the impact you have on people. But regardless, like you're signing a book and you run off. And so I run, I was in this this space right here. So I run upstairs and she was, she's still here. And then you were thankfully at the front. So uh, next time, make sure you just say hello (laughs) and take a photo, take a photo with me inside the cafe as a to when I'm behind the bar, just take a little quick one. So I was taking a little sneaky little photo <laughs> from my friend who absolutely loves you back home. So I saw you very busy and very focused. So I thought I would just do this secretly. But you know what? It was a good thing because now we're connected and here we are doing exactly. the podcast. So there are so much to cover with you. There's so much inspiration for our listeners. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask each person that I have on the podcast to think back about when they were children. I would love to know what your dreams were for the future when you were a child, if there was any dreams about that you wanted to do or, or anything you want to become. Yeah, so I guess at a very early age, rugby was a big part of my life, sport in general, but I always wanted to play rugby professionally. And so that's something I really quite pursued for a long time. And it was it was thankfully through injuries that I uh, set me on a new path. But my appreciation for like health, fitness, activity and you know wellness really drew from that. I think that's what I took from it. I loved activity. I loved being healthy. I loved uh, inspiring people. And that's what you know, essentially got me on that, that side of the, the life. But essentially, um, outside of my personal pursuits, I was always curious about the world. I was always curious about things such as, you know, what other countries were like, what it was like to use fire in different ways. And I think that's a, you know, when I look at cooking, I was always curious to come up with really creative flavors in a simple manner that people could relate to. So tell me a little bit about your story. So the way I came across you was MasterChef. I never, ever watched television, but the only thing that I record is MasterChef and the whole family were watching you. And so that was very inspiring for us. But tell me a little bit about your journey, how you actually got into the cooking and and I guess also the, the wellness part of it. MasterChef, that was an awesome experience. But before MasterChef, I, when I was like 12 years old, I, I love cooking f- with my family. I love the fight of idea of food. And for me, when I was with, once a week, we'd sit down with my family and create this meal, uh, something together, watching a TV show, watching Jamie Oliver, yes. and uh, creating these amazing, you know, home comfort style family meals. But what my dad realized from that was it wasn't that necessarily the, you know, the best thing about it was just as a family, we came together. And I was at a young age. I loved that. I loved the creative part, but I also loved what it did with bringing my family together. Yeah. And so early on, I, as I was still pursuing rugby, I was like, I loved cooking. So once a week, I took it in turns with my family to cook for each other. 
and as a as a result, that grew into being a, a little bit more you know adept in cooking compared to some of my friends and their girlfriends who got interested in in myself when we went to parties. We talk about you know cooking, and then my mates get annoyed. So as a result, I started creating recipes for them to look after themselves, get some brownie points, and so I ended up realizing I was self publishing a book, and so that's exactly what I did. So I created my first book called Dude Food. Uh, I wasn't you know by any means a traded chef. I was self taught, completely home cooking. And this is uh, going on whilst I was doing my master's in exercise science, strength and conditioning and nutrition. So I was starting to like, you know, on the creative side, the family side, create recipes. On the other side, I was thinking more about nutrition and how to apply it to people for wellness, performance, rehabilitation. And then all of a sudden, MasterChef came along. So Dude Food did really well, but then MasterChef came along. And so that set me on an even more of a foundation path of cooking. And so uh, after all the injuries and everything in rugby, it, it seemed like it was the right thing to do. And so, you know, six and seven months of this high intensive camp of cooking with uh, like-minded individuals and learning from some of the best chefs, I came out going, this is insane. And as soon as I finished the show, I self-published my second book, The Healthy Cook, which is more in line with my brand now. You I know, have that one. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. I mean, listeners, I'm absolutely blushing right now. <laughs> so, yeah, and essentially that really was the foundation. So I think if anything to take away from the early stages of my life was anyone can self-publish a book. Uh, I really just set myself a task of something that I love and I pursued it. And so mm. that led me to two self-published books and that really started me creating a brand essentially. Mm. Such an inspiring story and so much for our listeners in there to actually just go for it, yeah? Exactly. That's yeah. it. Have a crack. Take the leap. And if I, if, you know, I think when you self-publish a book, you're putting down all the capital yourself. But in the back of my mind, and if you truly believe in yourself, that's the least you worry. Because at the end of the day, you're selling the book. You haven't got a distributor selling the book. So I was the one going around to shops and I, I backed myself. These are creative recipes, super tasty, anyone can relate to, and they're healthy. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I also self-published my book. Yes. And, and there was a lot of debate if you should go with a publisher or self-publish. But I felt the whole time that there's no one who can sell your book as, as good as yourself because you have the passion and the, and the real um, go for it. That's exactly. Like when yeah. you, what was that decision like for you? Was it quite easy or did you have people talking to you about it, giving you? Yeah, the team was really much for publishing because sure. we work with publishers all the time um, with um, doing Kiki K covers on other people's books like Ariana Huffington's book etc so we were very much used to deal with publishers and we had quite a few publishers asking if we wanted to do books but I always felt that when I actually came up with a book and, and I always thought one day I would do the Kiki K story but I feel like I'm right in the middle of that so I don't want to do that yet sure. and then I went away actually with my journal for three days with no phone and no books and just just some time for me to think and I came up thinking I actually want to do a book where I have all my tools for dreaming and so when I do public speaking a lot of people ask me what's the next step? And I put everything in my book. That's great. And then I went to the team and said, hey, I want to do a book. And they said, well, let's reach publisher. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it myself. And because also publisher are really, in my view, a bit slow. Um, and being, <laughs> and being, oh, take no people. <laughs> this, is, this is true. We, lo- we love them, but they, yeah. Yeah, they just work in a different pace. And I'm an entrepreneur. So I thought if I'm going to take two years to, to write a book, I will be over it. I'm very impatient. So I decided then, I said, to my partner Paul who really helped me getting the book to where it is I said well if we give ourselves two years we'll take two years if we give ourselves four months or six months it will take that so we did it all in I think all done like in six months time so as in from print to shipment or from first print in general 
No, no to, to actually having in stores. That's yeah. that, And that is absolutely realistic mm. because when it comes to pop, this is something else. Also, the creative direction, you didn't want to have anyone, you know, exactly. No, exactly. You, who can tell your story better than you, right? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. you didn't want to have someone else telling you that. And not to say that publishers don't do a fantastic job for you, but when it comes to self-publishing, you are creatively 100% in control of the destination of what your book is. Yeah, And absolutely. then the time to do so, as you said, is uh, it's up to you. So yep. if you want to get done in six weeks, yep. get done six yeah, weeks. Yeah, exactly. Love that. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. We're here in New York City, which is one of my absolute favorite cities around the world. On my, in the board meetings, I actually wear I love New York t-shirts. <laughs> That's great. Because I want to open a store here one day. That's of one course. of my big dreams. But tell me how you ended up here. So after I, I did the healthy cook, I started to do more TV in Australia. So I was doing morning shows. I was becoming more, I guess, uh, well known in that healthy cook space and answering as an expert. And as a result, I realized that my understanding of cooking needed to probably be a bit more elevated, not to a point where I'm a chef, but just so I could be someone that someone came to for tips. I could answer the questions quite easily. Yep. So I started to put myself into kitchens, just learning, just yep. doing what they call stages. So I'd take in turns between different types of restaurants uh, each day of the week. So I'd, I I was a I was a PT and a strength conditioning coach. So in the morning, I would go to do my sessions and then right throughout the day in the nighttime, I'd jump into a kitchen and just learn. So it'd be like Italian, you know, Argentinian, Asian, Southeast Asian, and then maybe a Japanese or something else that's uh, essentially allowed me to learn a lot. Mm. And was that through different people that you knew? Because I think this is a really good good example of how people can learn without actually having to study it for five years or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I want to take nothing away from doing a four-year degree of uh, you know TAFE yep. or education because it definitely serves its purpose. But for me, it was less about the time. It was more about the case of I'm not here to be the chef that would be working in line, which I ended up doing for a long time. But it was more a case of I wanted to be a, a help, like a messenger, yeah. someone to educate little techniques. I didn't need to be there peeling broad beans for 16 hours a day, not yeah. five days a week. So I just off my own bat knew that if I went into, went into a kitchen with a willingness to learn, most of the time, Chefs would be very interested in showing me some things, especially if I was okay to do dishes and every single part of the line because for them, you know, chefs can be egotistical, but if you show your willingness to be really passionate about food, they're going to want to teach you. You know, they love that. And so most of the time I didn't get turned away and after a while I had like a good cycle of different restaurants I went to uh, and it was through no personal connections. It just me literally going into a restaurant one day and going, hey, I'm here to learn. You don't have to pay me. I just want to learn as much as I can. And so after a while I... I was doing okay and eventually actually held some chef positions. So I ended up being like a, the, the past chef for, at some restaurants because I just learned so much. And then after that, I had the combination of, I guess, the practical skills. I had learned, you know, how to start to build a brand. And I, I got noticed by a, a publisher over here in America and also TV over here. So I, I flew out and after doing some negotiate, like, I guess, Having some conversations and meetings, I ended up with a couple of deals that allowed me to stay here, get the right visa, and so then I moved over. And it's interesting, when you move over to another country, you're starting again, and it's not as if you can really use exactly the same method of how you began to do the same thing because it's a different culture. I think what's interesting is like Australia and America, both English speaking, and they say people like the Swedish or Australians are very well liked and received over here. But to be here with a brand and can be consistent, you have to relate to the culture. And so for the first year, I just plugged away. I plugged away and just put my head down in any method I could just to build my brand. So essentially over time doing content, 
being available. It was all about if I wanted to be top of mind, it was making Dan the healthy chef, everything that I did healthy, easy, relatable. That's exactly why I wanted to be a top of mind when I was here in the States. Mm, I love that story so much. Such an inspiration. So what is the difference between the cultures, do you think? Well, it's really interesting. I think one of the biggest ones I picked up early on was um, I did Good Morning America pretty much as soon as I got over here. And it, fortunately, it wasn't through this show, but I made a made a like a big learning curve when I went to – I did a show where – in America, you have to be more direct with your answering. In a way, it's still personable. But in Australia, it's very tall poppy. So if someone asked me in Australia, Dan, you've written three or four books, you've been on several TV shows, you have TV shows, and you've got a restaurant, you, you're doing pretty well. In Australia, if I answered, yeah, everyone would probably be like, oh, he thinks it's yeah. much of himself whereas my, the way I answer is like yeah I'm, I'm just enjoying myself I'm really having a good time and doing what I can for the world which is which is true the way that as I'm brought up with my two brothers and my mates and that that uh, persona here in the states they, they are okay to, they, they want you to be owning your achievements so I got 30 under 30 last year right and and so like when that came through it was actually a big milestone for my team myself oh absolutely congratulations no thank you but the point was I had to be like yeah we are doing well and it's great and I had to I had to own that in America yeah because if I don't they'd be like well he doesn't think much of himself yeah yeah you know yeah. I don't know have you realized that being over here as well like I, I recently went to Sweden yes and the people and we're very, very much <laughs> very different hey? I, I, I think it's like you relate to Australians like I, I think honestly so much and I love America, I love the sport and love the people in, in so many different ways. But I guess when I went there, was, everyone's like, hello, everyone's so happy and jolly. And uh, I can see you more like very down to earth. So I would, I would yeah. say that you probably assimilate with Australians culture absolutely, more yeah. than you would American, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely relate to <laughs> Australian culture. I love being Swedish and I love um, having that Australian culture in me as well. So, But I love being here as well. It's just, you know, the, this is so exciting the about energy. the world today yeah. that we can just do this. And it's just incredible. Every day I think I'm just so very lucky to be able to. Fortunate. Um, yes. You're absolutely. fortunate. You've earned this. Yeah. Lucky is where the uh, opportunity intersects preparedness. So I think yeah, well, I think you, you create your own luck. So that's there kind you of go. thing. I love that. That's good. <laughs> okay. So you seem to have very strong values and a very strong purpose and only works with brands uh, who support your goals. So tell us a little bit about that, what our listeners can learn from that. Yeah, I think when you're starting your own brand with, with any industry, whoever's going to help carry your message and similarly to your theirs, that you to them, it's important that you're consistent with your values. I think first and foremostly, it's because you then have to make sure that you're okay with it. But secondly, you actually do better long term because it means that when someone thinks of say Under Armour and they think food, they think of Dan and it makes sense. Whereas if there's Dan doing a, a sugar soda commercial, it just doesn't make sense. <clears throat> no. So I think one thing that I learned over time is despite it taking a bit longer, the long-term effect of building a consistent brand is, you know, much more economically and more importantly, philosophically beneficial long-term. I took years to just build content around easy, healthy cooking. That's it. Simple, yeah. simple, simple. And over time, you know, Under Armour, for example, reached out to me via SEO recognition when they were looking for a healthy chef. They kept looking up and mine was always the top of the SEO. And so that's a pure example of even a big brand like Under Armour searching on Google and myself coming up constantly. And the same thing goes for all the brands that I work with now, I am passionate about. Yeah. 
you know, Athletic Greens, Under Armour, Qantas, MyFitnessPal, all these phenomenal brands that really, if you think about them, they're 100% like exactly what my ethos is like. And that's so important to not only me, for the brands to know that because if they're going to want to be associated with my values, they want to make sure that what I'm, what I'm living, what I'm breathing is exactly what their ethos is like because a, a product doesn't sell, it's the brand that sells. Yeah. So a brand, if you're, if you're looking to work with brands, they're more likely to be so enthralled with who you are, what you stand for, than the ability to say, get this product. Yeah. That sells much more long yeah. term. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Love that. Tell us a little bit about opening Charlie Street here in New York. How did how did you go about that? And was that always a dream of yours to open your own cafe? Yeah, look, it's uh, as a chef, you definitely have different elements to your brands. So you got like the TV, the the books, the online content, the digital videos, and then of course you have a restaurant. Now. There's different avenues of restaurants you can do. You can do the very premium, high-end, fine dining. You can do more big seat table situation. But ultimately, I knew that at my young age as a chef, I didn't want to be constrained by me having to be 100% at a restaurant the whole time if I truly wanted to change the world through food. So that would mean creating a business, creating a model that would allow me to be building a brand that would be scalable but not reliant upon me being there. Yeah. And so Charlie Street came about when I first got here, I knew I was going to be opening a restaurant. Yeah. But I had to be here for a year to understand what kind of restaurant that would be. Again, I didn't want to just go in going, oh, this is the right one to do. I had to think about the market, what people are interested in, what the problem is and what I was going to solve. I found that people were starting to get a healthy idea understanding what food could be. But um, I realized there's a very big big time constraint on people's lives. So Charlie Street is about making healthy meals affordable and quick and easy and convenient. Mm. We're a healthy, fast, casual with an Australian attitude. And it's a very scalable model so that if I was to grow it to the number I want, it would mean that say I have X amount of Charlie Streets conveying the same message about where our mushrooms come from or the ethos behind our you know cups, making sure that we're not using anything that's not sustainable or finding ways to support charities. The more people I have in store doing that, the more people I'm having the opportunity to share that message with. Mm. And so that's where I was like, Charlie Street's a fast casual that I can scale. And, you know, I know there's going to be other restaurants that I want to do and partnerships I want to do. But right now, Charlie Street is the perfect brand that recognizes what I stand for. It's yeah. a message-driven fast casual, and I'm so excited by you yeah. know, what it's like. A, to, get, to get to this point, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Like, ooh, Charlie Street's popped up. Yay! But <laughs> it's like... It never works like that. Yeah, it's not like that. It's Overnight not like that. Success, yeah. success take a few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, look at your amazing company. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's so... It's really... Um, obviously, this is my first time um, here, and I loved it yesterday and I always look for good coffee and I always if there is an Australian behind the the coffee machine I always get very excited so, <laughs> that's really one good thing, coffee. it's so funny uh people say why did you open up a coffee shop in New York I'm like well I just want to make sure I had awesome coffee for the rest of my life yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. so it's good to know so everyone who's looking for good coffee can come here for sure <laughs> So we need to talk about food, but healthy lifestyle and eating is very much your brand. So tell us a little bit about how we can, if we don't have a Charlie Street next door to us, tell us a little bit about how we can get healthier by eating the right food. Yeah, I think healthy is a very generic word these days, I feel. I think ultimately, I always say, ultimately, the key to your health is your happiness. So if you're super happy, you're a healthy individual. 
because you've got a lot of factors such as your psychological, your physical, your spiritual, your mental capacity. Everything's quite aligned. Obviously, it's very hard to do that all at once, but there's there's a degree to which they're pretty well looked after. So with that in mind, I look at food the same way. It's There's a lot of things to take into account. But the first thing you can always do, and specifically in this day and age, is look at your sugar content. So biggest values, one of the biggest values I have is to control the controllable. So if you add sugar to your coffee, then you're adding something that you know you may already have presence of throughout the day. If you go out to dinner and you're having a nice dinner with your friends, that should be something you should enjoy regardless of what happens. Yeah. If you're doing it every single night, you obviously have to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. But if you are, you know, have the ability to control your lunch or your breakfast or what you're having, I would always say look at trying to minimize firstly the amount of sugar you're adding to things. Because there's natural sugars in things. There's natural sugars in some a lot of fruits, but they're much better for you and fruit's fantastic as opposed to adding heaps of sugar into things throughout the day. That means that if you do have like a cake at nighttime on the very odd occasion, you can feel good about it because you're not adding any sugar to your day. So that's the first thing I'll look at. The second thing is definitely I refrain from using things like calories, not because I don't think they are a great way to look at, you know, benefiting from a health perspective, more so that I don't want people to have to do maths when they're about to sit down and eat. For me, it's all about color. A big part of my philosophy is the, is the color plate. So color code in general, you see with all my recipes on my gram and on my, um, my YouTube videos that I always have a color code that's associated with the recipes I do. And the reason for that is if you look down at your plate and you see an abundance of color, you are guaranteed to be getting all the necessary microvitamins, nutrients, and obviously macronutrients as well. The actual science behind it is that the higher the density of a color or saturation in an ingredient, the more nutrients there are in that ingredient. And more importantly, the more flavor receptors that are going to pick those up because there's more nutrients. And ultimately, the more nutrients there are, the more flavor there is. Mm. And so that's when everybody wins. I, I think flavor is a much better motivator than, I guess, the health aspect of it. But ultimately, when you're having a lot of flavor that is healthy and tasty, you actually uh, release a lot of serotonin in the brain, which is another onset of um, a fantastic positivity when it comes to eating the right foods. And I think something in this day and age, you look at social media, when you look down your Explorer page on Instagram or even just going through your feed, things that really stand out are the bright colors. Yeah. So that's something we are naturally unlocking with our eyes that release positive endorphins. Yeah. So that's where color, again, comes back to the food. So eat less, control the amount of sugar you're adding to things. So control, add, add no sugar. Uh, look at color when it comes to eating the right foods. And then... I think ultimately it's actually having the right balance and not to minimize, you know, not to remove everything completely because when we're eating like we should for everything in our lives, it should be for the long term. It's not for the eight weeks, not for the six weeks. No, couldn't agree more. So what you're doing now is something you should be practicing for the rest of your life. Yeah. So if it's learning to finally learn how to cook a whole chicken or learning to more eat more plant-based foods that works for you, it should be something that you think for the rest of your life and listen to your body because yeah. so often people were told to do a diet and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I'm doing this healthy diet. And ultimately, it's actually not what's best for them because yeah. what's best for you may not be what's best for me. Couldn't agree more. I love I love that philosophy. How about exercise? Because I know you're very good at that. And, uh, <laughs> I love following your you on Instagram and being inspired. <laughs> so um, tell us about how we can all exercise more and loving it yeah it's like okay so i think with exercise it's i'm very blessed to have grown up on the northern beaches of sydney where it's a very active lifestyle so for me the idea of running around or going to the beach is uh, very prominent and that invoked a lot of activity in my lifestyle naturally 
to some people, the idea of getting up and going for a walk or even a run is, is, is quite foreign. First thing I would do is definitely do something you love to get you started. If yeah. it's walking, whatever it is, just do something that is definitely going to get you doing something consistently. With that in mind, there's obviously the side of it where you can also set a bit of a plan. Now, whether that be speaking to an expert or even just yourself, like I want to go for a walk two times a week for the next four weeks. I want to go to a hit class once a week for the next four weeks. When it comes to goal setting, it doesn't have to be out of the weight loss. In fact, I actually almost... I'm almost like motivating people not to do that. Find something that's actually going to be changing their life more positively long-term. Again, reason being, I think like a dress size, although is awesome in theory, it's also like a, probably a better indicator of how you're doing because you could be putting on weight but actually getting a smaller waistline and building a lean muscle. Yeah. So when choosing the right exercise, do something you love, set yourself a task or a goal that could start building a routine and again, control the controllable because – if I tell you to do something, you may not be able to have the time with the kids you have, with the husband that uh, needs you to assist with something, or even your own work and preferences, or you travel. Control what you can do. So if you have time to go for an exercise at one moment of the day, do it then. And that's a, that's another big factor in what I do. So I'm now a center expert, center fit expert, which is part of our Chris Hemsworth new app. So if you, you're looking for an, uh, some way of getting motivated, that's a great way to jump on. And, you know, we've got different experts that can help you out with different training exercises. Or, you know, if you're someone who can just go to the gym and do your thing, go to the gym. It's, yeah. a, it's a great way. But personally, I mix it up. I, I go to the gym, I run, I box, I walk on my hands. I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did see that the other day, actually. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You're doing really well with that. Thank it's you. very impressive. A lot of practice. A lot of practice. <laughs> I bet. I bet. What kind of um, – you seem to fit so much into your life. There's so many aspects of your life um, in terms of cooking and the healthy side and the media and books or uh, the travel that you do. So how about work-life balance? How does that work for you? And well, how do you see that? Yeah, it's, it's a really important one. I think um, – it's something I learned probably about two years ago. You get to a point where if you're not paying attention to yourself or people around you, and that is part of yourself, then it's, you know, what are you living for? You know, I think I love, I'm very fortunate to love what I do. I'm yeah. so blessed to love what I do. But when you start to get to a point where you're, I wouldn't say, you know, I was no means by hating it, but I have other people coming in and in my life and I want to share memories with them. I'm now very blessed to have a, a lovely girlfriend and if I come home and I'm working the whole time, it's not good. Like mm-hmm. I want to be spending time with this lovely chick. And and so I got to the point where I'm like, all right, let's schedule my day. Now, because my day can, is on my terms, like my, like you, yeah. you are the boss of your company and so you control your day. So it's like, all right, between these hours, I, I, I'm unreachable. So between, you know, say – Anytime before nine, can't contact me. If I do, I won't be responding on email. Yeah. If it, then between nine and say five, that's when I'm working. Yeah. Anything above that's again, I get home, I switch off and I cook dinner for my girlfriend or I call my parents. And I think what's really important is that you really value that, that time because I even have time called Dan's thinking time. Maddie, who schedules my con- my like all my content, yeah. she's put at two o'clock today, for example. I've got Dan's thinking time. Oh, I love that. And it's half an hour for me to either read, look back, write notes in my notebook. Mm, and, love uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Your KPK notebook. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I've actually, I've honestly just finished it too. <laughs> it's the last oh, one. <laughs> I need to send you some. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that is one of the biggest changes I've had in the last two years that really helps me like having a morning routine get up mm-hmm. have my athletic greens meditate go to the gym all that 
And then my two o'clock or whenever it is that Maddie schedules it in is Dan's thinking time because that just is my time to sit here, be in peace, listen to my podcast, read, whatever it is. Mm. It's, it's so important to relax. Yeah. Yeah, I have something I call the holy hour. I love that. So ideally, this is not all the time, and I always stress that because it's I'm not perfect. I'm I'm a human after all. Uh, but I have my holy hour, which um, means that I ideally like to start at five a.m. and I do some writing, and then I do some learning. I love learning, so I read <sighs> and podcast, and then I meditate. And that is my holy hour. So you know, for me, having kids and um, often a very full day, it is that time for me which I absolutely love and then between six and seven I do some kind of exercise could be anything from yoga to gym to whatever classes or whatever often walking especially when I travel when I get home at seven o'clock because I have kids get them to school etc just feels like I you know if you can start that way you just feel amazing so maybe you should start a holy hour uh, maybe start a holy hour i love that that's great yeah. that's a good five a.m good go you mm. well it's not it doesn't always work obviously jet lag etc at, at the moment here in new york i am up very yeah much you're killing early. it you're like i'm doing five a.m every single day <laughs> yeah i'm actually doing more four a.m <laughs> Uh, yeah, I came from Dubai as well, so that was it's taking me a little while to kind of really get into. And I'm leaving today, so I'll be back for another lovely jet lag. Sure, sure. <laughs> Lucky me. Yeah, it's so nice to have that thinking time and, and time for yourself because then you can actually have that full life and actually cope with that. Because I think that is uh, otherwise very hard if you have so many people who want you or all things to do. But actually, having that self care is super important. One hundred percent. I also think if for the for the business, like it's a time where I can actually go, okay, let's. Look at the business. What do we need to work on? As an owner, or even just as a manager, or anyone like that, you have to sometimes step back and look at yourself and go, "Let's have some feedback and reflect and analyze." Yeah. How often do we do that? Like a couple of times a week, we rarely do it. Yeah, it's amazing once you look back and go, "That actually didn't work," or "That did work." How do I do that better? Yeah, and this is a time where no one can touch you, and it's just like, okay. Let's do it this way this time. Yeah. Another little tip here for our listeners is um, what I do is at uh, between 9 and 10.30 in the office when I'm actually working from our office, I have 90 minutes of uninterrupted time. So there's no meetings ever. Uh, when I travel, it's different. But when I'm in the office, never between 9 and 10.30 because that's when I work on my most important project. So if you can do that, you because sometimes we have such a big dreams and big goals and, and they seem so big, but if you can spend 90 minutes each day on those, that you know that you get closer and closer. That's so phenomenal. That's, a, that's another good one. But it doesn't always work, but it doesn't it doesn't really matter when it is. It's just really about, for me, it's perfect between 9 and 10.30. There's never ever a meeting before, which is really good. That's fantastic. You just And again, just make it whenever it works for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great. So tell us a little bit about your support network. I'm sure you would have so many chefs. You mentioned Jamie Oliver, who's also a very big inspiration for me. Who else has been in, in your support network or, or mentors or people that you in, are inspired by? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. I think first and foremost, my family, without a doubt. I call them indirect supporters because yeah. to be honest, they don't know what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Dad cooks, you know, that's... I think when I got 30 under 30, I sent it to mom. She's like, oh, that's nice, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, it's awesome. I love it like that. And I've got my two brothers who, you know, I'm the middle of three. So it's funny once you, you know, get out home and grow a little older after adolescence, you generally, like my, my, my two brothers are my best friends. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're incredible people and I, I'm inspired by what they do. And so I, as an individual, call my family indirect supporters because no matter what, I do, and that's this is for any of us. 
they will support us no matter what. Yeah. They want to make sure that we have food on the table and we're enjoying ourselves. But, you know, they're very inquisitive, as family should be. Yes. But ultimately, they are phenomenal. I think a couple of mentors I've had is a gentleman named Dale Beaumont. From an early age, he's been you know, in my corner. He helped me guide – he guided me with the, the – first couple of self-published books that mm-hmm. I did because he's written yeah. 16 of his own. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Dale? I, yeah, I do actually. I've been in one of his books. Oh, wow. Yep. Dale, yeah, Dale's a phenomenal man. I have this gentleman named Lance Reynolds and he's uh, – Lance should have his own book on what he's done in life. He's been a producer. He's, uh, he's performed as, you know, a trio. Like, you know that song, Happy Days? You know, these happy days are yours and mine. Oh, happy days. These, you know, Anyway, <laughs> listeners, sorry for my – anyway, so Lance Lance has done a lot and he's been in my corner as like one of the biggest supporters in my life mm-hmm. and for that I'm forever grateful. He's, you know, he's uh, helped me get to New York. He's helped me establish my brand and without without him I wouldn't be where I am today. So he's uh, someone I'm completely inspired by and he cares. I think it's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. People that I've never met that I'm inspired by are the likes of – uh, definitely Richard Branson. Yeah. I love – I think after reading his book, I love the idea of control, controlling the, the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, one of the things I want to do with Charlie Street is get to a point where we have a farm and that farm will then, you know, obviously control where our food comes from and then uh, we can create more content around that and stuff like that. He's such an inspiration. I just actually – I just came from Dubai and um, he was speaking where I was speaking. Phenomenal. And so amazing. And he's also um, in my book. Oh, uh, really? sharing his story. Fantastic. And, um, he's just incredible. He's such a big dreamer. Yes. And – when you look at someone like him, you just think that, you know, you probably do. Yeah, too yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, I'm, I aim high. Like, I dream, what, everyone's like, what do you want to do? I want to change the world through food. And so, it's the biggest thing. And you see someone like him, you're just like, wow. Yeah. But uh, probably one, I'm inspired by many, but someone else who really inspires me after reading his book is Leonardo da Vinci. That man is exceptional. The fact that it was like the 15th century and he's dissecting things to understand the, you know, the simple mannerisms of the smile. And I, I just, I'm inspired by his curiosity, how he just went and did things. And essentially like he, he, he wanted to stand for more. And despite, you know, obviously painting the Mona Lisa and how famous that has become, he wanted to have an impact on what he did with, you know, whether it be engineering, it was a help with performance. And, and I just loved the way his brain, his brain was put together. Like whoever put his brain together, thanks God. Like seriously, it is, uh, it is exceptional. So I could go on forever about him and some examples of what he's done in life that we should all be uh, absolutely inspired mm-hmm. by, but he's someone else who's quite exceptional yeah. as well. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing. So tell us a little bit about your mission to use food as a tool to bring people together and enrich their daily lives. How did you come up with that and why? Well, it's really, it's something we see every day. Like you sit down for breakfast, whether on your own or with a family or even your close friends. And it's, food is a beautiful thing. It is a universal language. So I may not speak Swedish. You may not speak English. But if I put a coffee and some uh, cinnamon bun in front of you, I'll see you smile. You know, and I think that's beautiful. It also has the ability to educate. Ultimately, I want to get to a point where I have enough time and resources to build kitchens in third world countries, not to have food available, but for them to cook their own food. Self-empowerment. I think that's something that, uh, you know, is definitely achievable. But if you look at the way that we're going with the planet and, you know, what we're emitting with, uh, I guess, all the carbons, I think food is a major player in that and how we can help educate and make people more aware of it. So I'm reading a book called Dan Barber's uh, Third Plate right now. 
and I, I, I find every single thing that I've been doing in the past 10 years is exactly what he's talking about. So, you know, if we uh, now grain feeding chickens that are making them grow quicker and they're ultimately not nutritionally better for you, but there's more of them, that leads to places like Mexico being affected with the amount of people that can produce chickens and ultimately those people then uh, move back to America and work on lower wages just to, to survive. And it's just like a massive cycle. So food is has the ability to start the message and help it consistently grow because it's something we all do every single day. Yeah. It's something we all touch. It's something we need, but it shouldn't be viewed as that. It's something we are cherishing. And, and ultimately, when we eat, it's a happy time. Mm. Couldn't agree more. So inspiring. <laughs> I love, love it. One more question, then we're going to go a couple of more quick questions. But in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, I encourage everyone to ask themselves some questions. So I'm going to ask you that, and sure. then I'd love to hear what, you answer, what your answer is. What would you do if you couldn't fail? If you had all the money and the resources and the knowledge and the energy, which I think you have all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely have the energy. <laughs> what would you do with your life? I think I'm doing it, to yeah, be honest. Which is amazing yeah. to hear. Thank you. Like, I'm growing um, a couple of different businesses that ultimately lead to a vertical integration of, of, of a message that I want to achieve. And then that will allow me to do what I just said is, is – go out to these places in need to empower them to be self-sufficient. Mm. I cannot tell you how exciting that is to, to dream and, and be a part of. And, you know, the, the idea of Dan Churchill, the healthy chef, and uh, making easy, healthy cooking is something that I build along the way. But ultimately, it's not about myself. I, I'm a figurehead for a movement that I want to help create. So, you know, I'm just, I, I guess I, I'm really, like, the, when you asked me that question, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I wouldn't do anything else. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. Mm. So, And that's so inspiring because I think when you actually do what you love, which is some, you know, talk about that in one of the chapters, when you do something you're passionate about and you, you really love it, do something every day that you love, the work life balance sometimes you have to work really long hours but if you love it it doesn't really matter and then there's other times where your family or your friends might need you more and i think that's um that's how life should be i don't think it's a perfect you know i don't think work-life balance exists in that perfect way and it's like everything there are times where things are tough and sometimes when it's really good and you just have to go with the flow and it's really how you deal with it 100 yeah 100%. so it's been so amazing to talk to you but i'd love to finish off by asking you a few quick questions sure. that i know our listeners would love to hear <laughs> your answer if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them thrive and live their dream life what would you say that's a really good question and ultimately i always say just do what you love because passion doesn't lie. No. It doesn't. And it may take, you know, a couple of years to get started, but believe it or not, my books were not sold because they were necessarily good books. It was because I was passionate in the way that I wanted to help young guys cook better. And the same with what I'm doing now. I'm passionate about having impact on people with cooking. Yeah. And like what you have done with your business, ultimately, if you're passionate about what you were doing, people are going to be drawn to that and someone's going to be inspired. And all it takes is that one person to be inspired for them to tell their friends. Yeah. And eventually a movement will grow. Yeah. Perfect answer. Thank you so much. What are some of the habits and rituals that you practice regularly that enable you to stay focused and live your dream life? 
Well, going back to controlling the controllable, I, I do it in the morning. Uh, I have a morning routine and that's because at that time of the day, no matter what, I've got no distractions, no things that would change towards, say, the afternoon that I have to you know, adapt and be uh, flexible for. Like someone who just turns up and wants to do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's, it's exactly what we do though, right? I'm like, how am I not wanting to chat with you? But yeah, so I get up and I make my bed. I think that's something that continues and I'll always do is just a it's even when I'm in a hotel room I make my bed it's yeah. a it's a way of me being not necessarily just grounded but something I, I like to keep clean but know that if I'm doing one thing right at least I made my bed mm. that day I then have my athletic greens which is a, a super like a, a effectively a superfood cocktail and it's like no matter what at least I have my nutrition like what I call my nutritional insurance and then I go to the gym after making my first breakfast smash the gym, come back, meditate, and then once 9 o'clock hits, I can look at emails. Mm. I'm, I'm on the way to work. Beautiful. Great morning routine to take some tips from. <laughs> I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product. <laughs> I have the same favorite that I've had for many years. It's gotten me through so many. I've actually written, I, I actually can't, can't believe I haven't told you this yet. I wrote the content plan of my second book, in a key Oh, that is so nice to hear. So Thank you. You have absolutely had a massive impact. And even before that, I was using products when I was at you know, university and, and whatnot. So to this day, it's definitely just I have a I ha- I love writing things down and keeping notes. Yeah. It's how I operate. And yeah, and yeah your your notepad for sure is mm. what I I cannot say that uh, I have anything else that stands anywhere close to it. Well, thank you so much. That's (laughs) really lovely to hear. And uh, we have spoken about a few books that you mentioned. What's your favorite book and why, if you can choose one? It's a hard question, isn't it? Yeah, I love reading. Yeah, me too. (laughs) We have that in common as well. Healthy food, uh, healthy lifestyle and books. I think we need to to have another chat. We need to hang out more. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm going to say I think – I think after reading a book about a gentleman 15th century, so, you know, more than 500 plus years ago, I think Da Vinci's book is really, I think as much as I love all books, I want to think of the one that had the most impact. And obviously it's something I've just read, but reading his biography, I have a new train of thought when it comes to understanding processes and the curiosity towards those processes. Someone like a Richard Branson, I can relate to him on a number of levels and I learned so much from him. But going back 500 years mm. to see a gentleman being this curious about life across a number of things, I learned a foundation of learning and curiosity that is going to help me with things that I do going forward. That's one I actually, actually haven't read that book. Oh, so give um, it a go. I am absolutely buying that. And we're going to obviously link that to, on the show notes as well. So awesome. thank you for of sharing. Course. Can't wait. Last question, if you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? Just keep going. Just do exactly what you're doing because if I make mistakes, I made those mistakes for a reason. Mm -hmm. We all know that mistakes are the biggest learning curves Mm -hmm. and if I was to say don't do this, then I wouldn't be able to then know going forward how to protect myself on something greater. The reason Everything does happen for a reason in in my eyes and so if I look back on the mistakes that I've made, I look at forward and going things I didn't make as a result of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so I set myself a path very early on. I was very fortunate to know what I wanted to do early on. Now I'm just finding my way to get to Z as opposed to, you know, just kind of wondering. Yeah. Love that. And I am um, in Kiki K, we have this philosophy as well. There's no such a thing as a mistake. And personally, I always think that's a silver lining. And, you know, even though you sometimes go through tough times like in the business, but also personally, 
there is always a silver lining. There's always a positive and a negative, and there's always a negative and a positive as well. Because sometimes um, there might be positive, but then you there might be negative that you you know missing your friends or family or whatever it is. So there, I really truly believe in that. So very much aligned there as well. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Last minute podcast recording oh, in New York City. How could I not hang yeah. out with you? <laughs> thank you. But thank you for what you do to the world. It's such an inspiration. You are living and breathing your brand in such a beautiful way. And yeah, I can really tell that you are living your values and your passion and what you do to the world is very inspirational. And I know that so many of our listeners will absolutely love this episode. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. That means the world. Thank you so much. And you're welcome anytime. Thank you. I I shall be back for some good coffee. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. What a wonderful chat that was. Dan's energy and passion for life is so infectious. One of the things I truly related to in Dan's story was how when he was just starting out in his career, he approached a range of chefs and worked for free to gain the knowledge he needed to pursue his dream. This is something I also did when I was first starting out, trying to figure out what it was that I was passionate about. Whenever I thought I would come across a new passion, I would learn as much as I could and gain as much experience as I could by volunteering in those areas. And I discovered, as Dan did, that when you share your dream with others, they will generally do anything they can do to try to help you. I share a lot about this and my journey in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here. It's full of simple and practical tools to help you on your journey of uncovering and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. With this in mind, I would really love your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. If you could help me spread this message by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers, I would be so, so grateful. And if you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. Until next time, do not forget to dream big and chase your dreams.